Hello, everybody. Hi. And, hi, and welcome. Um, this is not a podcast, a videocast. It's just a conversation space. It doesn't matter how it reaches you. Um, it's a space we've put together because we were having too many of these chats on our own. And we thought maybe you wanted to hear about them. I'm Dona. We have a... We want to connect with other people, right, who are focused on very similar things to us because we need their help to help them. And so creating this space where we can have these conversations and maybe people actually enjoy it because I always laugh when I'm talking to you. <laughs> so there's at least that. Um, so we can make it enjoyable. Talk about something that can be rather scary and um difficult topic. So uh, I, I was saying, I'm Duana, and uh, I'll let you introduce yourself if you like, or I can say who you are. What <laughs> it's either way, and this is Alessandra, and what we're going to be doing is having our conversations in public, right? So let's go back to what the topic is. She's already hinted at it. It's um, all the topics. It's the mother of all topics. How, how do we all live less painfully at work, really, to a degree. It's where it all boils down to. We both found each other on the internet where everyone finds each other these days. And we realized that we were going at this human problem and at this how to make people happy at work ways in, in slightly, you know, kind of different angles, but absolute same heart, same ideas, same DNA, same understanding and, and same frustration towards the lack of of um, transformation and change in every industry we've encountered where people are not yet happy. Um, we've riled around the idea of human debt. We've, we've talked about many in episodes of, of, of you know, other colleagues of ours or other clients of others or other partners of ours who are suffering from it, of which there are many, if not all, and then we decided to do some things about this. So we've we've come together. Oh, great. And we forgot to turn off all our alarms. <laughs> hey, that's our wake-up call. Oh. <laughs> that's our wake-up call to have this conversation. If like, ever. My my man is at me at all times that you need to stop your alarms. I disagree. If I if I just completely stop the alarm, this thing will never happen. So sorry about what to do next. Exactly. You need those prompts. <laughs> But how, how would we tell the story? So we came together and we ended up thinking, look, there's a lot to be done here. We can't do it ourselves, is what we're saying. We need your help. Well, yeah. We're, otherwise, we're just two crazy ladies screaming into the dark. So that's not... Or on social media. But... Um, and just to introduce myself... Well, we'll yeah, keep doing Lots of people do that. Lots of people do that. Um, so my name is Dr. Alessandria Felizzi, and I am a former head of HR an organizational leadership development for 20 plus years, um, been in education, um, for 30 and, uh, you know, you said happiness at work, I'm solving for people doing their best work. Um, right. And so that means how do we navigate when and understand when we are frustrated or overwhelmed or how do we address this? And I've, I've worked with in 15 different industries. I've worked with large, major multinational companies and to me not to me the data shows that the biggest barrier to success isn't to crush people and to do more with less 
It's actually to tap into the human design of who we are, how we work from a psychological health and safety perspective. That's, that's the answer. And so now what, right? This is trying to find other people who one already kind of get it like yourself and then help people who are still in role. You know, if I were in role, I know what I'd be looking for. And so I've been building that because I have the luxury to do so to help support people who understand, as you call it, a human debt, that if we don't invest in the fact that we have humans and not machines in the workplace, then we lose the value of that investment. And so this is just about basic, basic maintenance of human beings at work. I like it. I like it. That's really strong and and true. It's, you know, what we'll do here is put more words to it. But what we'll also try is to always keep each other very, very honest. If any of us starts to kind of really lyricize for the sake of, of the, 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 the wooden language and you should expect some swearing. I find it impossible to speak without swearing these days. In particular, if we remember it. doctorate in English. So I get to use all the words, and that includes the four. I don't, and I'm still going to use them. <laughs> if not, I will expect the language police. Um, uh, although it's very, very difficult to discuss the hypocrisy of swearing with the teenager these days. How come you can do it? Um, but outside of that, I just I don't tend to just randomly swear. I swear when I get super fired up about we cannot live with this human death anymore. We cannot let people off themselves when they hate work. We cannot let people live through essentially mental health crisis and emotional engagement crisis and engagement at work crisis and you name it, leadership crisis. And just let them carry on with the horrendous situation we've put them in because that's not something that human beings should be doing to other human beings. And we don't even believe this. Obviously, it's not intentional. It's not dickhead. We just don't know how to get out of this hole, right? right? So over the years, I've been quite vocal and quite... I've made myself unpleasant to um, the HR community because I've been, you know, kind of very bullish about, for fuck's sake, we need to do something. And I thought the good intention behind, but obviously I don't expect you to be doing it yourself, or obviously I don't, I'm not saying you should have done it by now, or obviously I'm not saying you have bad intentions and you're just carrying, uh, holding on to your, to your job. Uh, I'm just saying we should all do it. I don't know if that carried quite that clearly. I think just the first part of this woman is menacingly toned by death and doesn't understand our priorities. Um, the things we get called about, the fact that the CEO asks us about policies rather than ever involves us in a serious um, strategy conversation. All of those things I'm not oblivious to. I'm not dumb. I know they're happening. I'm very aware of that being the reality. I just thought HR and I were in a place where we could go, come on now. <laughs> clearly we weren't and like I say I haven't necessarily made myself pleasant to the community I, I understand why I'm not f- exactly taking it with, with 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 too much grace when other people um, think that they have the, the, the panacea of all answers but in my defense I have always felt like I'm not creating anything at all I'm not coming up with new things I'm not asking anyone to believe me um, I'm simply saying this is the science. Why does it take us so long to genuinely avail ourselves 
of the work of Professor Dr. Amy Edmondson, of the work of Google and the biggest essentially study in the in the in the workplace that ever existed, and of the immense amount of GitHub studies, Microsoft studies, things that are coming out every goddamn week telling us we're not joking. If you want productive people, if you want to be around as a company, you have to erase everything and look at your people. But we can say this until we're blue in the face. If we only talk about it and we don't find ways to immediately start driving action, we're not going to get very far. And that's why we think I'm, you know, I'm ready to apologize to the community if they're upset with me, whatever it takes. Let's just go back to the, to the, to the, to the drawing board and make it happen. Well, I'll have to check the latest newsletter, which lists all the people that HR hates and see if you're yeah, on Yeah, Google it. See if I'm on the list. <laughs> remember you being on there. But um, <laughs> it's interesting you talk. So in my mind, coming from an HR perspective, again, my last position was chief people officer for a 7,000-person organization with 250 locations. So I've, I've been in the thick of it. That was during COVID, by the way. Um, and... To me, it's, I just don't know what to do. Like, I know there's a problem, but I don't know what to do. Um, and I just, having the time and space to take on something new, when we've been within HR, 98% of us are burned out, according to Sherm. Sherm actually had <laughs> an article earlier this year that said, HR is too much work. That was actually the title. This is our, this is our organizational like industry saying, this is too much work. So I could see you know, people going, okay, this is all fine, but what, what do I do? And, and to your point, it's actually harder to not do this work than it is to actually to do it. If you can get your arms around or partner with people who already have been down the path, who can help you. But look, with the WHO printing their guidelines in September of last year, I mean, it's just very clear. We have the one from the, the uh, Surgeon General here in the U.S., which... And then we have the ISO 45,000. I mean, there, there are standards, frameworks we can use. So this doesn't have to be making it up. But and I posted this on LinkedIn yesterday. I'm curious what you think. And there was an article in Forbes about um, well-being whitewashing. Which yes, is, I have yeah, seen it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's surface level, yeah. right? lip service that's going to happen in every industry about every topic until we're going to, I mean, you know, agile transformation, whitewashing, um, DNI solved whitewashing, everything that we've whitewashed, we've added to the human debt. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. I've, I've seen even funnier thing today. There are people that are from other industries are starting to arrive at these big kind of realizations of, it matters to be human in technology and we have to start having, I, I'm genuinely not even joking. I, there, there are people who are like, oh, but we are in mathematics. Why does it even matter to us? There's not going to be one industry that's going to be immune to the fact that everything has changed. I, we all know this, right? The, the way we do work has changed. The way the things we need to be successful at work have changed. We are not only unsuccessful. We are suffering right now. The models we're using in the workplace right now are unfit for purpose. All of them, obviously. We don't even need the departments we're having. We don't need... But I'm, we're not asking everyone to just kind of go back to the drawing board and rediscover the organization because we know that's not going to happen. What we are saying is there are quick wins in the, in, the, in the human world. There are things you can do to move the needle today. There are things you can do to empower the team to do it themselves. And that's probably the smartest way to go about major human debt and we keep saying this is 
just chip at the corners, just start doing experiments and just start doing something that moves the needle. There are ways to get out of it. You don't have to be alone. You just have to help, let us help you in the sense of we're hoping we, we can bring you along to give us some data. We'll be very honest. We don't know how to these days um, translate the real of the human work to the corporate talk of the priorities, KPIs, and, and whatever is on your agenda this year or next year. Mm-hmm. So what we need is for you to tell us if the KPI is retention. We know that's silly. It's always retention, right? None of these change ever. All of the things are important. But it would be nice to hear what do you think is most important right now and how do we make a product that really is in there to help humans or a methodology or a framework or a company that's going to come in, whatever it is that you're getting in, it has to come in to hold your hand and help you translate whatever it is that you think is priority into the human work. Yeah. And and the other piece that I know that I am very curious about learning because I've been out of role for two years now is um, when we have all that data. So I have been on those executive team calls where I've shared data, 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 data. Here's the things, here's what it proves, here's the KPIs, got it. And you get the executive who goes, still don't buy it, right? Is there an opportunity to get that person bought in? And what's missing? We have the data, right? We have the proven case studies, the benchmarks, the world guidelines, global guidelines. And the answer is, I just don't, it's just not. I'm still not sure, yeah. And so that's a yeah. Very, what do we do then? Ironically, that's a very emotional response. <laughs> um, yes, and, and what we're talking about is emotions. Yeah, emotions. For, yeah. Right? I mean, I've, 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 I, I can tell you what I do, um, but I don't think it's a formula because, and this is sometimes what I struggle with. And I'll be honest: is I've been very spoiled, and I have lived a professional life that's like no other one. So I struggle sometimes to talk about my experience and my examples because I don't want people to go, oh, well, screw you. I don't, I didn't have that problem. I wasn't doing X when I was Y and so on. So I, it feels bad. But with that said, I will say um, that when we encounter execs that have that reaction, and in our case, unfortunately, it's mostly people from the other side of the human side that might have that reaction. We know what that is. We, we kind of work out. We, we, we know that it's a human reaction, right? So it's a human instinctive protection reaction. People are fearful in every layer of the organization, but in, in, in you know, kind of in, in, in those layers where your courage and your standing up for what's right is required all the time, Mm-hmm. You are a lot more likely to have these moments when you just can't pick it up. You're going to leave that one on the floor, right? This is maybe where we should get, this is why I would like a human editor, because someone is to insert here the that lady about picking up all the facts. The older you get, the more we let them drop and we can't, <laughs> your back is broken. So you're going to go down for, why does everyone wear Birkenstocks? Well, whatever, I can't be bothered. It's over. I'm 50. I don't care anymore. So it's like that, right? So all of the Fs that we have. Oh, wait. I, I said that No! <laughs> Very close, right? But I don't give a fuck. Let me tell you, I don't give a fuck. I'm aware. I've, I've walked the streets of Folkestone with you, my friend. I've seen, I've seen your outfits. <laughs> yeah, I am not in a, in a time where I care about what we wear at all. But so my point is, if we impression manage both of the, as those that have asked for the courage um, 
action. So say, say you're in this room and you are the HR that has tried to reason with people, has tried to say, but we need the human work. We need to, we need to go back to the drawing board. None of this jokey, how do we do remote work? So we need people to work from anywhere, anytime, as long as they're happy and their outcomes are being tracked. We need a data culture. We need all of these things. We need people to be happier. Are you serious? And they go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what you're, you're saying is the need, but I don't quite see it. And we have other things we need to be doing this year. If you're in that room, chances are you're going to do one of two things or several. Either in your head, you're going to go, I've given up on these people. Or in your head, you're going to go, I've given up on my mission. And I, I wish you gave up on the people because if you stay and you've given up on, I want to make this happen, you're probably not ever going to be able to really walk away from it. Let's face it. This is my, my, my fear is that we're, we're talking to professionals that are suffering themselves even more than others because cognitive dissonance in HR, knowing these are not the right things to do, knowing yes. that people are offing themselves on the way to work, but we now have prettier pants that they can take home for their kids is immense. The only people that don't feel that cognitive distance are people that have managed to train themselves to be completely immune. They are kind of like a, a 911 operator. They don't care if you die, but they don't care if you survive well in the enterprise either. We cannot push HR into a place where they don't care anymore. We have no. to keep them where they keep fighting, they keep being courageous. We have to have those execs that are smart enough to never whack their HR or to whack it all together. Look, if you're not going to trust this person enough to tell you how to run an, an organization that is continuously improving, that has people that are happy, that, or these people, not this person, this department, this function. You don't have to have it at all. Take that function and give it to your tech people or give it to your agile people, give it to your change people. I don't care. Just put it with some humans that were going to be the human work advocate. Um, and as an HR professional, like I say, I know that there's fear, there's, 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 there's years of trying, there's disillusion, there's the same type of feelings you have when you're an innovation manager or you're in someone who has long tried to move the needle that this is who we are we're pioneers we're evangelists we're advocates it's hard we can't keep complaining we still have to move the needle for these people just that's because right. you know yeah yeah that's right and like, i think you talked about nibbling on the edges or um i say what does it take to get one or ten percent better like we just need small moves those are more sustainable anyway but what I'm really curious about is, I love how you said the decision between do I, do I decide to, you know, give up my mission or give up on these people? And, you know, maybe there's a way that's kind of, or do I walk hand in hand with them as I move forward? Because the thing is, is that for a lot of HR professionals, and this is quite frankly, one of the big hazards, psychosocial hazards at work for HR is, if you're not aligned with the strategy, if you're not aligned or don't feel valued, if you don't feel like you can make an impact when it comes to human performance and um, tapping into the human side of work, um, then that's where the burnout really accelerates, right? Because you, you have that, as you said, cognitive dissonance. So it's that moment though, that pivotal moment where we've had the conversation, I've got this, I need to understand, I need help understand what's in the way, what's behind those comments, what's the fear, mm -hmm. how can we, what can we put in the, that HR leader's toolkit to be able to move that forward and not have to decide which to abandon, right? How do we right. keep them whole and help them be able to do the good work, do the work that they mm -hmm. know, we know um, makes a difference. 
Right. Now, I am. I think it's worth mentioning. Why do we call this a secret society? Because not all of the folks in the world, um, it, let's just talk about within HR specifically, are on board with this, right? I've personally encountered HR professionals who are like, "That's a bunch of hooey. Um, we don't need any of that. That's all touchy feely. Um, you know, whatever flavor of the moment." So why why did we call it the secret society, Donna? Well, because many of us need protection. We need to be, or some of us, the people that we want to hear from might very well need protection. And it's a serious issue. They might need, they might feel like they need to be stealth for many reasons. Most HR professionals I talk to very rarely ever want to be in public um, or talking about the enterprise or taking a stance on whether or not they have human debt. Um, it's almost like they're taking it personally or they say it as a personal failure if the organization shows there's anything wrong with it. Um, but we're not asking for that. What we're asking for is essentially anyone who feels that, yes, the human work needs to start happening at an individual level, at the group level, at the team level, and at an organizational level. That's who we're after. People who have been trying to move this boulder, people who have been trying to be the Sisyphus for long enough. We want you guys to all come into a forum. We haven't yet um, built it. We have though built a Trello board we'll give you access to um, so that you please go in and give us your ideas of how to build this the fastest. We're trying to team with you. We're trying to make it live and we all get somewhere. But the vision we have is a place that's protected by an anonymity and we can ask questions about what genuinely will move the needle within HR. So for you to be able to really tell us in a benchmarking sort of way, they can turn to you with, with valid results. What are other people's priorities? What are other people's agendas? What are their pockets like? What are their primary KPIs? Like what, what's the OKR of the company tied into HR like? So once we figure those things out, we'll, we'll share them with everyone. And so that we make this the easiest, we were thinking, if you're an HR professional, please get the burner address. You don't need to tell us who you are. But what we do need is to find out that everyone who's an HR professional actually is in work and knows this data. So one type of verification of sorts, we don't know what that would mean. Um, and then you can be anonymous or you like. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is not only for them, we should say that. We, we're not going to, I, I was saying this is not you you, uh, you can probably walk people through now it sounds very scary like with hr professionals only not at all we're, we're open yeah. to having everyone from every bit really yeah what we need what we're looking for is how do we help you right so if you are like what we're doing isn't working we are burning people out all the data i read is real <laughs> i've actually been paying attention but now what we want to give you anything and everything that can help you continue to make that better. And that will be about making workplaces better for those that you work with, but also for yourself, right? So understanding, um, you know, how, what you need in order to drive this work, um, I think is a critical part of it. And one of the things for HR in particular is for us to understand uh, some of those headwinds and specific hazards to our mental health we face every day, um, which we don't often talk about. I talk about a lot, but um, we don't often talk about. Yeah, I think it might also be worthwhile. We've been talking about human debt. Can we go ahead and define what does that mean from your perspective? Good question. I never remember to tell people definitions. Um, so when I first thought of human debt, to me, 
it it was like a light bulb moment because I had heard about tech debt for many, many years. Um, and I knew, I didn't know exactly what it is. I never wrote a line of code, but I do know that if you have it, you're effed. So it's a really bad thing that will at some point stop you mm. um, if you completely ignore it. And essentially, for those of you that are not in technology but listening to this, it just means that you write code that you know is not of great quality or you cut some corners, or you don't quite test, or you don't quite ask anybody else's opinion, or you don't quite bring something up for debate. And what happens is that you make things that are not of great value and that code remains there. It becomes old, it becomes embedded into the system. And by the time you realize it's there, it can really trip you altogether as a company. So many companies end up in these big exercises where they have to actually get rid of tech debt and, and, and institute better, cleaner code. And so I had known about many of these transformations. I had seen them. I knew how painful they were. But it didn't occur to me that it's the that, that it's practically the, the equivalent of that until much later when I was writing the books. And then one moment, I, I it just came to me and I was like, this is the exact same thing we're doing with people that we are doing with technology, yes. which is we left things, we, we cut corners, we were afraid to say, we kind of dropped the program, we kind of forgot that we didn't do anything on a Friday, we sort of changed and didn't really explain what we were doing, no structure, no clarity, whatever, no psychological safety, everyone's afraid of everyone else, but that's where we are. So, you know, kind of, we're, we're all aware that that's where we are, but we feel this human debt. I think anybody in an organization where there is human debt, and by the way, everyone has it. You can start getting it as a, as a, as a startup if you're not careful. You will definitely get it as a scale-up if you're not very careful. And you will then leave in a toxic soup of untouched status quo um, human debt nightmare in the company unless you start chipping at it. So yeah, that's what it is. It's like take that, but for humans. I love that. Well, so, and here's the thing, you will get it. Like it, if you think you can do everything perfectly and set everything up and it's going to go flawlessly, that's, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, failure, frustration. Um, but if you say, okay, we know that we will, it's like accruing, it's like accruing these, these, these things that kind of just come up as, as just normal work. So then what is the process for, identifying that one knowing where those hazards are so we can try to uh, mitigate as many as possible evaluating what your big ones are that you've picked up the debt you've picked up and then building a plan on that and you don't have to make that up though that, that that's the beauty of it is that there are global guidelines that are based on a hundred years of research about workplace psychology and workplace mental health so you can just use that Right. But I, I love that, w that way of thinking about it. this is just the clutter that happens in the everyday work. If we continue to ignore it, it's not going to go away. Right. It's very, very true. More risky. Very, very true. And where do you start? I don't even really think it matters. I keep saying this. Do pen and paper what we would be doing with smart technology. Uh, check how your people are feeling at all times. Get them involved in changing their behaviors and their 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 mode of interaction get them involved in understanding that knowing how they feel themselves and knowing how their colleagues feel themselves and knowing basic things like i keep saying this how do people pair program when they don't know if the other one has any children how is this even possible how do we believe people collaborate when they're not doing any peopling and any humaning at work so i think start there start by normalizing the human work 
to everyone else. Just start by letting them encourage people saying silly stuff, encourage people swearing. Let them be humans. Let them be people. Let them ask each other about their lives that matter because your enterprise doesn't. And then just kind of take it from there. I think this is a good in because it forces your your execs to come on the same journey. And eventually that data that you have to keep plummeting every time you see a new study from GitHub and Microsoft, send it to them. Even if they go, whatever, this is some of the same mambo jumbo. You can only hope that one day they'll get there. And meanwhile, if you use teams and humans to chip at the debt themselves, we'll be, we will have made the kind of experiments that will show these execs that the needle can be moved and it's worth investing in. Yeah, there's tons of research on doing it this way, right? There, so there's one um, one study I like to quote a lot at a Tavistock Institute, which is they looked at what drives courageous behavior. And courageous behavior are things like asking questions, taking risks, learning from mistakes, all the things we want in a highly engaged workplace. Those four things. The highest one uh, was collaborating, just working together, just building a shared history. Uh, but then another one right on the heels of it was getting to know the human, getting to know and building relationships. And um, what I say on that is always ask two questions, not just one. It should never be, how are you doing? I get the answer and we're done. You should always be followed by a follow-up. Um, and so I think there are specific things that we can do that can help that. The other thing is, and this is important to me, is that it's not just about what we do, but it's also how do we get the skills to be able to handle <clears throat> our own biases, experiences, history, trauma, whatever is showing up at work so that we're not letting that get in the way, right? That self-awareness, yeah. the self-compassion, the acceptance, those are those skills that we need to build within ourselves. And where, where do we learn those? There's no, you, you don't learn those in school. Very rarely would you learn that from parents. Uh, th that's a competency. That's a leader. These are leadership competencies or how do I navigate mm. stressful situations? Not about other people, but about me, right? And on that, how do we get to know each other and how do we get to know our teams better? We're going to leave you um, and try and keep this as short and sweet as possible. We will probably get uh, raunchier than this with a lot more examples <laughs> like that. I'm not raunchy in that way. Um, I'm not an, an English speaker, so like, I get more fired words. up. <laughs> but uh, it, it's been lovely just kind of us having this space to have this conversation you don't need to listen to us but if you want to we're never going to keep it anything else but real we have a lot to both complain and talk about and ideally build together and meanwhile reach out to us there's going to be a link um in with this podcast to let you into the secret society for human work uh, the link to the trailer will also be posted with this so you can come in and tell us what you'd like to see on the show what ideas you have we have a couple of ideas for segments that we'd like to run past you as well they'll be in the trailer but meanwhile you can find both of us on linkedin uh in both our newsletters and in um and you know kind of just get in touch just get in touch like you always do most likely in a private message like it always happens but just tell us the real will this be useful if we get you the data that says this is what execs care about and this is how to translate what they care about into how we make human work can we start moving the needle on this human work and get to where we're all trying to get to mm -hmm. Absolutely. thank you for listening to us and we will see you next week bye bye